From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Problems with sleep can worsen a person's health-related quality of life in the year after a stroke. Here to talk about their research in this area are Dr. George Falk, a professor of physical therapy in the College of Health Professions, and Dr. Karen Klingman, the Associate Dean and Associate Professor in the College of Nursing at Upstate. Welcome to you both. Hi, Thank thanks, you. Amber. First, let me ask how you decided there was a need for evaluating the impact of sleep problems on post-stroke recovery. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I actually just started here at Upstate almost two years ago now, and my primary area of research and clinical practice and teaching is in working with people with stroke and how they recover. Um, I was fortunate when I first moved down here to Upstate uh, to meet Karen, who is a resident uh, sleep expert. And so we got to talking and I looked into this more and just found out how important sleep is um, after a stroke and that it has a potential to really impact uh, people's recovery. And that there are, is a large incidence of people with stroke that have sleep disorders. So that kind of led us to start exploring a little bit more about how sleep and stroke interact with each other. So have you had patients with the complaint of, you know, I've ha I'm having trouble sleeping? Oh, yeah, definitely. It yep. comes up and, a lot. Yeah, and it, the thing that's challenging is it's that people with stroke often have sleep disorders before they've had their stroke. So sleep apnea is a common sleep disorder, and it actually can be a risk factor to have a stroke. And once you've had a stroke, you're at risk for developing sleep apnea. So you kind of get that vicious cycle there um, with how the sleep can impact your recovery after stroke. Um, another important aspect of it is that after a stroke, people are relearning to do motor skills, right? So they're relearning how to walk, how to use their arm and hand to get dressed and do other ADLs. And sleep is also very important to consolidate motor learning, just as it's important for consolidating memory. And so if you have a stroke and have a sleep disorder and you're recovering, then um, that sleep disorder may also impact your ability to learn new skills. And so this was kind of our first step into looking at in a large data set, how people um, may be affected after the stroke if they have sleep problems. Uh, you use the term ADL. What is oh, that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's uh, our acronym for activities of daily living. So oh. basic activities like uh, being able to dress yourself, being able to brush your teeth, um, use the restroom, uh, grooming, bathing, things like that. Well, tell me, how did you set up your study? Um, so we're kind of fortunate. This is actually a secondary analysis. So we actually have access to a large database from a large stroke study that was done previously. Um, and so that was one nice thing about that was that we have about 400 people who've had a stroke in this study that we analyzed. So that's a nice thing about it. The one drawback is that it, the study wasn't set up explicitly to look at uh, the impact of sleep disorders. So with the secondary analysis, there's some limitation to that just because of the way it was set up is that 
it wasn't set up on, in an ideal manner to look at sleep and recovery. So these 400 people, are is this people in central New York or people in America? What was the geographic? Oh, yeah. yeah, this was people from all over the country okay. uh, in the United States. So it's five different centers that span from Florida to California and in between. And I'm assuming men and women are included? Yep, yes. And what about the age breakdown? Um, the age breakdown, if I remember correctly, was uh, about the typical age of someone with a stroke, you know, somewhere in their 60s and 70s. Um, so it wasn't mainly older or slightly older adults, not younger adults with stroke. And did it specify this type of stroke? Uh, yeah, we were able to look at, you know, what are the different percentages of people that had an ischemic stroke that might have been caused by a blood clot versus a hemorrhagic stroke that was a bleed, uh, different locations of stroke in different areas of the brain. And so all those uh, demographic information was typical of people that generally have a stroke. So the, that was the nice thing about it with 400 people is that you get such a wide variety of people that it covers most of the typical people that have had a stroke. So these results can kind of hopefully be applied to the typical person with a stroke. So I'm imagining this giant database of 400 people and the two of you, are you going through one by one looking for any mention of a sleep disturbance or sleep apnea or insomnia? The reason we decided to use this data set is that they happen to ask the study subjects early on, did they have any problems with sleep? And if so, how much did they impact their quality of life? And so it's not very specific, um, but it is a good um, thermometer into seeing how sleep and stroke recovery are related. Um, sleep problems can result from a wide variety of sleep disorders or even just, um, you know, situational or environmental factors. Um, but, you know, if you don't tend to them and you don't have a sleep disorder, you can also develop one as a result if you don't tend to the sleep problems. And then, as George mentioned, you get into the vicious circle of um, sleep problems causing things like mood, you know, depression, um, lack of activity, lack of recovery, you can't get out into the community, you get more depressed, you don't sleep. So it's a vicious circle. It's really important to catch sleep problems early be before they come chronic if they're not already. Well, I want to ask you to explain sort of your findings. But first, let me remind listeners, this is Upstate's Health Link on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with Dr. George Folk and Dr. Karen Klingman about how problems with sleep can worsen a person's health-related quality of life in the year after a stroke. So what would you, how would you summarize your findings from this study? So I think as Karen mentioned, the interesting thing was the way that we were able to identify sleep problems. So it was a self-report. So people answered a question about their sleep difficulties and whether or not it impacted their function. And we're able to look at that at multiple time points during the first year after their stroke. So at two months, six months, and 12 months after stroke, these questions were asked of the people. And then we're able to look at, was there a difference in their quality of life at those time points, depending if they reported having difficulties with their sleep versus not having difficulties with their sleep. And 
Um, not too surprisingly, we believe we found that the people who reported having sleep difficulties and that it impacted their function had poorer quality of life. So their self-reported ability to perform those activities of daily living that we talked about previously, um, their ability just to be mobile in their home and community, even their ability with communication, hand function, um, and emotion and memory were all uh, worse than the people that reported sleep difficulties. So it also shows just the wide impact of the sleep difficulties have after stroke. And when we talk about sleep difficulties, is this trouble falling asleep, trouble staying asleep, insomnia where you just can't get to sleep? What, I mean, what types of sleep difficulties are there? Well, um, in this study, we had no way of knowing because it was just, have you had problems with your sleep such as insomnia? And insomnia is one of those words that people associate not with necessarily a diagnosis, but with problems sleeping. So we have no way from this particular study to say um, which sleep disorders they may have had. But we have um, started, we have looked into the literature to see what kinds of sleep disorders people with stroke tend to have during their first year of recovery. And um, of course, obstructive sleep apnea, which Dr. Folk mentioned early on is um, the most publicized one, but there are also others um, such as restless legs syndrome, um, insomnia, um, circadian rhythm disruptions. Some of these exist before the person had a stroke. Does a stroke ever cause these to develop as sort of a side effect of the stroke? We, we don't really know, but we think so. That's part of what we aim to find out as we move through our overall research program. Um, yeah. Some of the risk factors for sleep disorders are known to be risk factors for stroke and vice versa. So we think, you know, maybe one doesn't cause the other, but both may arise at the same time. But um, again, some of the situational factors associated with recovering from stroke certainly could initiate a sleep disorder. And um, some of the areas, George, maybe you can speak to this, some of the areas of the brain that are damaged um, may also impact sleep. So we think there may be a physiological reason as well for sleep to be disrupted and maybe disordered following a stroke. Well, what do you recommend for people who are recovering from stroke and are having trouble sleeping? Do they do they need a, a sleep study? Do they need medication? I, I mean, what's what's the current thinking? That's a really great question. We we don't know. <laughs> There's very little in the literature about it. For obstructive sleep apnea, uh, it's so prevalent. Um, it almost seems like it would be um, um, remiss not to test someone following stroke for sleep apnea, um, or may, maybe um, just to monitor them for um, the uh, downsides of having untreated obstructive sleep apnea. But there are also reasons to be careful as you move forward trying to treat obstructive sleep apnea following stroke, depending on which part of the brain has been impacted. So it's not clear cut, but I, I do think that probably most medical professionals are looking for obstructive sleep apnea 
I don't think they're looking for the other less prevalent sleep disorders. Um, and then, you know, if they have one, uh, a lot of the treatments, well, at least for um, insomnia, the recommended treatment is a behavioral treatment called cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, CBTI, the I for insomnia, and that's a behavioral where, where you manage your thoughts and your bedtimes. So you can so be sure that the time you spend in bed is time you spend asleep. For the other sleep disorders like restless leg syndrome, those can be treated by medications. Um, but again, that would have to be carefully monitored by the medical professional to make sure nothing interferes with anything else that's being treated at the time. Well, if I, if I hear you correctly, it's important for a patient to bring this to their physician's attention if they're, you know, in the year after stroke and they're struggling, you know, to sleep well because it impacts their ability to recover, right? Yes. Um, <laughs> another piece, too, I think with uh, Karen's previous research, I think it's important for healthcare providers to use screening tools to kind of help um, identify people who may be at risk or may already have some type of sleep disorder. And Karen's done some previous work on actually developing some screening tools. And there are other ones out there as well. So I think um, at a minimal, it would be good for healthcare professionals who are working with people with stroke to use some of these screening tools as a first step and then refer them to a sleep specialist or a stroke specialist um, for further diagnostic studies. What about right. someone who is more than a year out from their stroke? If they're in their second or third year after having had a stroke, if they're still having trouble sleeping, is it worthwhile to, to have that investigated? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, what our data that we looked at only went out for a year, right? But it's likely that uh, someone's had a stroke. If they're having sleep difficulties, that could continue um, for a longer period after that one year. Um, and as Karen mentioned, that the sleep disorders, depending on which one they have, you know, can still be treated effectively, uh, even, you know, at any point in time. Well, you mentioned at the beginning when we started talking about some sleep disorders that are considered risk factors for stroke. So yeah. I want to ask you to go over those again, just so listeners have that with them. Uh, is sleep apnea, if you've got a, a sleep apnea issue, you're at higher risk for stroke. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the one that the literature is pretty strong supporting that if you have sleep apnea, uh, that is a risk factor for potentially having a stroke. Um, and um, I think the data show there's like almost uh, two thirds of people with stroke also have sleep apnea. That's what we've seen in the literature today. Well, very interesting. I want to thank both of you. Uh, thank you to Dr. George Folk, a professor of physical therapy in the College of Health Professions, and Dr. Karen Klingman, the associate dean and associate professor in the College of Nursing at Upstate. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.